You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. It's always a privilege to share from the Word of God. And um, before I go into the Word, I've written some things down so that I'm not all over the place. Every time you get the opportunity to hear the Word of God, it is a spiritual exercise. Spiritual transactions are literally taking place when you hear the word of God. It is not a physical thing. And so I always say that the Bible says that they were, with, they were there preaching and Jesus was with them confirming their words with signs and wonders. I can preach but I cannot confirm the words with signs and wonders. The Bible says that the Spirit entered into me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. I can speak today, but I cannot enter into you and set you on your feet to action. And so, more often than not, when a guest minister comes, and, and I grew up in church, this is probably my 18th, 20th year <laughs> preaching the gospel. So I've done it before. So don't feel guilty what I'm about to say. When a guest minister comes, we gauge the depth of the person. And they say, how was the message? Say, it was great. That guy can preach. Say, I'm not interested in you saying that tonight. Say, how was the message? It was great, glorious. What did the guy say? It was great. <laughs> The Bible says that he sent his word and his word healed them from all their destructions. There is no such thing as a good or a bad message. There is only a sent message. So listen to me. As you listen to the word of God tonight, it is a spiritual exercise. You need the Holy Spirit to help you interpret. I like what P.I. said, a word for you. Only what? A sent message. Look to your neighbor, say a sent message. Now, I'd like you to rise up on your feet. I like to do this before. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, the Bible says that in Genesis 2 7, that God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life, and man became sort of another speaking spirit. So that God created everything, but when it got to man, it gave him the capacity to be a co-creator. So he made him another speaking spirit. What it tells us, and if you go to Hebrews, it now says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He said, for by it, the elders obtained a good report. He said, for we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The worlds were framed by what? It means that the primary purpose of words is not for communication, it's for creation. Are you listening to me? That the primary purpose of words is what? It's for creation. So the words were framed by what? The word of God. So uh, before I speak every time, I like to take, a, take charge of the atmosphere with the words, right? So say these words after me, just a little confession. I am rooted and grounded in love. For I show everyone the love of God that goes beyond existing knowledge. 
I am complete with the content of God. I am complete with the content of God. I declare the entire counsel of God through this holistic biblical approach. My heart is willing. My soul is ready. My lips say the same thing as God. Say it again. My lips say the same thing as God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have your seat. I'll be speaking from Galatians 5, 6. And I'll read quickly so that we can move ahead. But I want to speak about wealth. And I want to speak about work. And I want to speak about business. I hear a lot of young people say, may the Lord bless my hustle. And something inside me bleeds. Because the Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power there. Kings don't hustle. I don't care what meaning you ascribe to it. I just told you words are powerful. Check every meaning of hustle. The word is negative. Every meaning. It means to try and get value where you have not created value. On a holistic level. Then if you drill down, it goes from cheating someone to doing every, to struggling and sweating. And so I just want to share about wealth and the prerequisites or the pillars on which wealth sits. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. Uh, can you say that second part after me? But faith which works by love. But faith which works by love. Interestingly, the three words that I would, three pillars on which I will sit tonight's message exist in that scripture. So I'm speaking about wealth, the three pillars of wealth, love, faith, and work. Love, faith, and work. Can you say that after me? Love, faith, and work. Thank you. Now, I started having conversations like this about wealth when I was in Unilag. And I remember those days very well. I was a third, literally, no, 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 no lies. A third of my current size. Literally. Sola is my body. She knows. I mean, if you carried me up and spin me around those days, if you had Colum Colum, it's not as if two coins made themselves in my pocket. It was my teeth. We will fast and there will be nothing to break after. So you continue. <laughs> Glory to God. And I started having conversations, even though it didn't seem like it, with God about wealth. And if you try to have a conversation with God about wealth on a hung, on a and an empty stomach, you're going to end up being frustrated if your heart is not in the right place. Because if you tell him that I'm hungry, he will say, let me show you how you feed people. And you say, oh God, oh God, let's do this one first. And you see, that's where 
sometimes in our generation we miss it because you're like, okay, let's do this one first. But he said, no, this one that you want is locked in the one I want, right? And so I came across, started to understand that in every aspect of your life, marriage, um, work, school, every aspect, spiritual understanding was key. And revelation means, and you might want to write this down, revelation means spiritual understanding of the truth regarding any subject matter. Spiritual understanding of the truth regarding any subject matter. Which means that when your spiritual understanding of the truth regarding finances is complete, you can never be broke. When your spiritual understanding of the truth regarding money or or marriage is complete, you can never have issues in any area that your spiritual understanding of the truth is. And this is the paradigm on which I've based my growth over the years. That any time I am not enjoying something that the word of God says I should enjoy, and I love the prayer points because it was in the direction that I was thinking. Anytime I'm, the word of God says I should enjoy this and I'm not enjoying this, there's nothing wrong with God. There's always something wrong with me. That's the paradigm on which I have grown. And so, you know what that allows me to do? I always go back and say, what's wrong? Right? God does not malfunction. We do. Right? So if the Bible says you are kings and you're not enjoying kingship, there's nothing wrong with God. Think about it. The angel came down and saw Peter in jail, right? Read it. And I like, I love the Bible because the Bible is economical, word economical. God does not use two words when one will be enough, you know? So I like to look at it closely. So the Bible says that the angel came into the prison. It says, and he touched Peter and the chains fell off. Have you ever considered that? He didn't touch the chains because he has no business with the chains. So the guard outside the door was doing his job, functioning perfectly because that's what guards do. The prison, as a way of keeping Peter, was functioning properly because that's what prisons walls do. The chains were functioning properly because that's what chains do. The only person malfunctioning in there was Peter. And so what did the angel do? He touched Peter. He didn't touch the chains. There's a minor adjustment you need to make to your life that things will change. Circumstances and situations are doing what they are meant to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? If the wind is contrary, it's not going to change until you change. So something must happen to you. And so the Bible says, be ye not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conform is two words. Con means with and form, mold. So it says, be ye not with the mold of this world. So the world puts you in a mold. Think about water in a bottle. The bottle is the mold, right? The water takes the shape of the mold. So it says, don't be with the mold of this world or how the world tries to shape you. It says, but be ye trans, which means over and above that mold by the renewing of your mind. And so every one of us, let me start by saying that, has a worldview. Your worldview is your perception of how things work in the world. Your worldview is the sum of all the data that you have gathered from the time you were young till now. And it's the sum of all growth and learning that you have, you, have, you have allowed to happen to your person, right? Your worldview is what determines your experience. Your worldview will override anything you hear in church on Sunday. That's why people come to church and nothing changes. If you don't allow something to happen to your form, are you with me? So that you are trans, you go trans above that form, 
right? If you don't allow anything to happen to that form, you will continue coasting for the rest of your life. And I've experienced this going round and round circles. And so, until you allow something happen to your worldview, which is revelation or information, you will just stay on the same path. So, the Bible says what? You will prosper as your soul prospers. Your soul is the seat of your intellect and your emotions. So, the Bible says you will prosper as your intellect and your emotions or your worldview prospers. So, don't come into a room and try to tell me what you know. I can't see it. Because you will prosper as your so prospers. The Bible says a liberal soul shall be made fat. A liberal soul shall be made what? Fat. So whether or not you are liberal is not a function of the condition of your pocket. It's a function of the condition of your soul. So many men are walking in lack because their soul is lean. Your soul cannot handle what God wants to do. Your soul is selfish. And I'll show you why love is the first pillar of prosperity. While the core value of an entrepreneur who wants to do great things on the earth must be love. Now, think about it. The gospel is amazing. The Bible says in Matthew eleven five, John the Baptist had gotten discouraged. So he sent men to Jesus. He said, are you the one that we have been expecting or should we expect another? And what was Jesus' response? Bible scholars, Jesus started to do more. And they went back to him and said, Jesus started to do more. But in describing what Jesus started to do, the Bible says that the blind saw, the deaf heard. Can you go to Matthew eleven five? Let me show you something. Okay, so... He says, the blind, are you there? So the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor were given money. Is that what was in your Bible? Sorry, I'm reading this special version. And the poor were given money. He said the poor had the gospel preached to them. So, wait to <laughs> People were poor. And, 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 and if you think that is poor in spirit, I'm sorry for you, it's not poor in spirit. You see, I told you the Bible is economical. When he meant poor in spirit, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you read it in Yoruba, it says the word there is aligning. So sometimes to check, I'll go to Yoruba and read a line. Yeah. So he says, those that didn't have, Jesus called them and said, let me explain the gospel to you. Which means that poverty can only survive in an atmosphere where the gospel is not understood. Think about it. So he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. What's the first thing? To preach the good news to thee. Think about Bible people. To preach the good news to thee. Second reference. To preach the good news to the poor. So God is interested in whether you are rich or poor, my friend. You cannot be more spiritual than the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we have to be deliberate about that. It's not an unspiritual thing to want to have money. In fact, if you don't want to have money, I don't want to be your friend. Right? So the Bible says here that the only time poverty can survive is when the gospel is not understood. Right? So you need to understand that. 
And then, so how, how do you partner with God in business? I'm going to talk about love. I hope I can finish love, faith, and work, but I'll, I'll, I'll run through it. I'll try not to rush too much. Now, one of the major reasons why Christians have not built generational businesses, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, is selfishness. One of the major reasons why we are not even the ones doing the great things on the earth is selfishness. As a consultant, one of the things I do is strategy sessions. So when I sit down with my clients and I ask, show me your vision statement. And I see the vision statement. Immediately I know that this guy does not love anybody but himself. And so we come to the Old Testament. You see God's pattern of thinking. Right? That Hannah wanted a son, or Abraham first wanted a son, but God wanted a seed. Abraham got what he wanted, but God needed to get what he wanted first. Think about it. Think about everything you've done in business. Hannah wanted a son, but God wanted a prophet. Elizabeth and Zacharias wanted a son, but God wanted a forerunner. They all got their sons, didn't they? Which means that God will not give you certain things until he changes your priorities. So if you are still here, you want to make money to show the boys that you have arrived. You are not ready. Now the first core thing, that's why I started with the confession that I'm rooted and grounded in love because it's not easy. The first core thing you need to understand as an entrepreneur in business is love is the language of enterprise. That when we go into business, there's nothing wrong with going into business for money, but when we go into business to build enduring businesses, we must start by asking the question, how can I help? Should I show you? I'll show you in, in structures that don't seem Christian. So let's take the vision statements of some of the greatest companies in the world. Let's do a bit of Toyota. Toyota will shape the future of mobility, ensuring safe and responsible means of travel. Do you see profit? Do you hear profit in that vision statement? Do you hear money inside? Can you smell the love? No, can you smell the love? Ensuring safe and responsible means of what? Travel. That's Toyota. Google, vision statement, to ensure that all the information on the, in the world is easy to find. Do you hear profit in there? Answer me now. Do you see money? Can you sense the love? Is Google profitable? Facebook, to ensure a more connected world. Some of some, I mean, not you. I mean, some of the older people who have not seen their friends in secondary school for like forty years. Suddenly, emotional connections, joy. Do you see money in that vision? Think about it. And I want you to start resetting your thinking about love and enterprise, about how even those corporations that you see and admire are coded, hardwired into their code is love. Walmart says to ensure that poor people can buy what rich people buy. Then I came to Nigeria. XYZ Bank to be the preferred, to be the reference financial institution. Nobody cares in the scheme of things what you want to be in the industry. 
or among your competitors. We only care how you want to help your customers. Right? So the first pillar on which your wealth or your quest in doing business by revelation will stand is love. Let me show you. The best motivation for going into business is love. Mukesh Ambani, the richest man in India, said, my father said to me that any business that is gone into for the sole purpose of making money is not worth doing. So you start wondering why these guys are the richest men. He said, our quest is to raise a hundred million millionaires. That's all he wants to do with his life. And you ask yourself about Mark Zuckerberg coming to Lagos or going to Africa to launch satellites to give people free internet because once he gives them free internet, they get um, better abilities to earn for themselves. People he has never met in his life. I'm telling you that some of the reasons, some of the sectors in this country in this country are dead is because nobody has come to say, what can I do to help? Nobody has come to say in power that how can I, Nigerians have suffered too much. Nobody has come to say, this monopoly is killing Nigerians, how can I help? Look, the minute someone comes and follows through, I will show you. God will take away the first, Hebrews 10, and replace him as the second. That's the story of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, Let's look at Abraham and how love drove Abraham's conversation, right? So Abraham had a nephew called Lot, Yeye guy. Didn't have respect for his elders. They said, choose. If Lot was an Ikenian man like me, he would have waited for his elders to choose first. He saw the one that was bright and beautiful, and he chose. And Abraham looked at him. They said, what a, an elder sees sitting down. Aha. So he chose, and he went, and then he got into trouble. And then they sent word to Abraham that Lot is in trouble. Though. Obviously, Abraham is also not an Ikenemah like me. That was saying, eh? <laughs> Shebi was smarter than Omokomo. Abraham got up and went to fight a war, listen to me, with household servants. If that is not love, tell me what is. Now, backtrack to Genesis 12 verse 1. God has said to Abraham, in you, what? All. So he said, in blessing I will bless you. And then he ended it by saying, in you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Remember that part of the Bible? Now, the problem and we all are Abraham's children, right? Abraham blesses our mind, right? The difference between you and Abraham is that your heart cannot accommodate all. Yes, because you have filtered too many people out of your life. Too many people annoy you and you have chucked them out of your life. Your heart is malfunctioning. It cannot accommodate what? All. Abraham's heart had to be able to accommodate all. Listen, this wealth does not respond to strategy or it responds to the condition of your heart. So the Bible says, guard your heart diligently, for out of it flows what? Now that word issues in the Hebrew is the word translated to mean boundaries of life. So read that scripture again. Guard your heart diligently, for out of it are your boundaries or the boundaries around your life. It means that with your heart, listen to me, you will create boundaries around your life. Are you listening to me? Which means that the limits and the boundaries of your life are created by what? 
your heart. That, that has two functions. The first function is that boundaries keep things in. Right? So, anything that enters into your heart has entered your life. Right? So, if you want sickness and all those things out of your life, you guard your heart diligently. Right? You guard your, the gates of your heart and ensure that things that you don't want into your life, right, don't enter into your heart. Now, the second thing that we don't often consider is that boundaries keep things and people out. Right? So, for instance, if your heart cannot handle a certain type of people, you can never serve them in business. You can never serve successfully, innovatively serve a customer segment that you don't love. You can never successfully, innovatively, in fact, innovation will, will be cut short because of the lack of love. Love causes innovation to flow. Because when you're constantly asking the question, how can I help? I mean, I attend strategy sessions. People say, how do you think about this thing? I say, I don't, I'm not thinking about anything. I walk into my strategy session, say, Holy Spirit, how can I help? And ideas start to flow. Ideas that I didn't even think about. That I can't even take the glory for. Because if you will come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Thy will first. If you will come and say, how can I help? Before you say, how much can I charge? Let me give you an example. And so we see Abraham, the Bible said to Abraham, he said, all, right? Now, at that time, Abraham could not enter into that promise. Because they were still in a time where the best they could do was the Jews. If you read the Bible properly, the Gentiles were not even included in that. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? So it was just a Jewish promise. But here was a promise. So sometimes God has a prophecy resting on your life that's bigger than you. But your current circumstances tell you that it's impossible, right? And then you are wondering, how is God going to get you into that prophecy? You know what God does? He sets love triggers on the way. Triggers that if you are not working in love, you will never see. And those triggers activate the next level of that promise. So David had just been looted. And he asked, should I pursue? He said, pursue. Will I overtake? So God has spoken. You will overtake. And then he was going on the way. And then he saw an Egyptian, right? Who was beaten and almost dead. And, and he could have said, God has spoken, so let me be going. Leave this one. This, God has spoken. Is this what God is saying now? But he decided to, in love, help him. And his map was inside that Egyptian. Listen to me. God sets love triggers on the way that ensure that only those that are working in love can enter into greatness. And so Abraham fought the war. After Abraham finished fighting, he was coming on the way, he saw Melchizedek. And he recognized Melchizedek, king of Salem, no father, no mother. Ah, this is Jesus, okay? And he recognized him, right? And he gave him tithe. Now, you know the <laughs> interesting thing Melchizedek gave Abraham that settled the game? Melchizedek gave Abraham bread and wine. Right? Bread and wine are the emblems of Holy Communion. Listen to me. When Jesus was giving Holy Communion, what did he say? He said, take this is my body. At that point, Abraham received the body of Christ. Abraham received the Gentiles. The second part of that promise, all. It's, that's why I say, when you hear the word of God, a spiritual transaction is taking place. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that when God promised him all, it was just, nothing could happen in that direction. Only the Jews. The minute he received the Holy Communion from Melchizedek, this is my body broken for you, take. 
eat. In taking that Holy Communion, he unlocked the covenant into us. Right? And so when Jesus came, what did Jesus do? Just to explain what Abraham did. Jesus was carrying that, that same blessing. And it was for all. But until he died, it couldn't be unveiled, right? So only the Jews were able to sort of enter into it. So, first of all, the Syrophoenician woman came to him. Now, she knew she wasn't entitled to it. Why? She was Syrophoenician. She was not Jewish. So, you know what she called him? She said, son of David. Check the Bible. Everybody that called him son of David followed it with what? Have mercy on me. You know why? Because they were not entitled. Because they could not enter into it until he died. Now, they had deep understanding. So, she said, son of David. Have mercy on Jesus said, you know, there is no good to give the children's meal to the dogs. Now, Jesus wasn't yapping or calling her a dog. No, don't misinterpret it. The Jews at the time felt that they were chosen and every other tribe they referred to as dogs. So Jesus was telling her, having a conversation. Now, those people were around. They didn't know a deep transaction was going on. A transaction that made her entitled to stuff that she wasn't even entitled for. So she said, it's not good to give the children's meat to the dogs. Jesus said, Jesus said, it's not good to give the children's meat to the dogs. She said, Oga, the same thing that is inside the bread is inside the crumbs, I beg. <laughs> she said, Oga, I beg, I beg. She was saying that, look, look, you don't, who needs bread? What are you talking about? Give us these crumbs, Oga. That was faith, right? And Jesus said, okay, since even though you are not entitled to take. So right from time, People have been activating this thing. Are you listening to me? God will give this thing to Dangote before he gives some of us because their hearts can take it. Do you know how many families depend on them? Do you hear what I'm saying? When Moses was about to die, the Bible says he called all of them and he blessed the tribe of Joseph. He blessed Joseph. He said, he said because of he that is in the bush. Listen, no. he said because of he that is in the bush. Because of he that cannot fend for himself, let the blessing rest on Joseph. We're walking about selfish people. You can't enter. Right? So, Cornelius, no, not even Cornelius, the centurion came, understanding the same thing. He knew that he also was not entitled. So he came to Jesus from another angle. He said, okay, as a soldier with 100 men, if I send one to go, they're not born and well. He must go. If I say he should come, he must come. He said, oh God, I believe that you have the same power over death. Then what did Jesus say? Jesus said, he has never seen this kind of faith before. He now said, no, not in Israel. Just to tell you that from time, that Abrahamic covenant, now they were slightly inching towards it, right? Where Abraham ate that communion. So that, that's, that's the only reason why you can say you are Abraham's children. If Abraham did not eat from Melchizedek, no way for me and you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, think about this. And then came a man. And that's who, who I encourage all of us to be like. Joseph of Arimathea. Fantastic disciple in the marketplace. Right? And he came when they killed, when they had crucified Jesus. He came, and I'll say this, and I want you to think about it. Allow the Holy Spirit process it figuratively, literally in your mind. First of all, he did something that all the apostles with all their anointing could not do. 
uh, because there are some things that only money and influence can do. So, so, so your having money is not for you to show the boys that you have arrived. It's for you to deliver another set of people. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he went to ask for the body of Christ. Do you hear what I said? He collected the body of Christ from an evil political system. Do you hear what I said? I did not say he collected the corpse of Christ. Listen to me. He rescued the body of Christ. Who is the body of Christ? So God is actually looking for Joseph's. Who will rescue the body of Christ from an evil lending system to a loving lending system? Financial services. Are you listening to me? God is looking for Joseph's who will rescue the body of Christ, determine what wholesome media and entertainment. This is what God wants. Before you enter into, say, I want money, this is what God wants. When God wanted, when God wanted a son and God wanted a prophet, I'm telling you, in financial service, this is what God wants. In healthcare, this is what God wants. Joseph's who will rescue the body of Christ from communicable diseases, from dying of high mortality rates. We need to start teaching a generation this. Now, I'm still on love. I, I may not be able to continue. Now, let me give you an example and then I'll, and then I'll move to faith. So, that. so I said God sets love triggers on the way, right? Our prayer leader was praying about before this service started, she was praying about purpose. Entering into purpose. I put it to you that the only thing stopping you from entering into purpose is a love experience. There's a trigger that if you don't walk in love, you won't recognize. Okay, so, I mean, they've said it, that we're in a recession. I don't like to say it. You know, because it says, say not a confederacy. So, but I started to pray. I said, God, I want to earn my income from a country that is not in a recession. I didn't pray, sorry. I actually just thought about it. And this is how God has been dealing with me lately, that the best things that will happen to you, you won't ask for them. And I said, I want to do it so that I can protect my family, protect my loved ones, and everybody that calls me bros. You know we all have them. <laughs> and so, I was doing something for a client, a client that I have tried to kick off my books. You know, if you're in business, you have those clients. You know, and I always make this joke that when, when God gave Moses the mixture for the incense, there were four elements in that mixture. Three of those elements had a sweet-smelling savor on their own. But the fourth one had a pungent stench. But the mixture was not complete until the fourth one was added. So there's somebody in your life that has a pungent smell. When you lift up your hands to worship God in the morning, if you don't bring that person, your prayer is not complete. If there's hate towards that person, your prayer is not accepted. It's like a thorn in your flesh. The person is just there. I've had people in my life like that. So I have clients like that too. So I wanted to chuck the person off my books. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you have no right to shut the bowels of love on anybody. I said, ah. 
Now, sometimes when it comes to business, I want to say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, chill. Oh. This one is business. You're not going to stay for church. But it reminds me that, look, everything we have done for you, everything you have achieved, has done without stress. So I said, okay. Go. I'll keep going. Client is not paying. Which kind of thing did this? So he said, come and teach my assistant how to use, do process flows on Microsoft Visio. So I was in the office doing process flow. David and I, my assistant, were there. And this client has this habit that every time she's on the phone, she's always on speaker, so everybody around is listening to the call. So she called me while I was with her assistant, and she said, oh, are you guys working? I said, oh, yes, I'm working. And she'll be denying as if you guys are working. I wanted to say, eh, we are working, like you have paid. I, I, I. <laughs> I didn't say that, you know, because the meek shall inherit the earth. Let me show you this. The meek shall what? Inherit the earth. The earth is the container of God's resources. It did not say the meek shall inherit the world. The world is the system that governs the distribution of the resources, right? The meek shall inherit the earth. Real resources. I'm talking natural resources. Real money and all that. It says the meek shall inherit the earth. But meekness means what I can do in my power, I refuse to do in my wisdom. So I can choke off the person, but in my wisdom, I, keep, I, I hold my tongue. So half of the time, meekness, the meekness job is done with your tongue. <laughs> Just hold it. So I started to teach her assistant. And then she said to me, she was on the phone. And then I said, oh, we're doing it on Microsoft Project. So David was telling me, boss, it's not Visual we're using. I kept saying project. I don't know why. Apparently, she was with someone from a multilateral institution, you know, who had a deadline and he had opened Microsoft Project for Dummies. So she called, so he had, and then she called me and she said, she called me back, she said, my friend here says he needs your help. Like, if you can use Microsoft Project, he needs your help. So, no, no problem, I did the stuff for him. He, he was a star in his office in Washington, they gave him commendation and all that. <laughs> then he sent me he said, I'm sorry, I'm so broke, I can't pay you. They sent me 10K. Huh? First thing that came to me was, huh, my life. But the Bible, the Holy Spirit said, the meek shall hear it. I said, he said, tell him, thank you, sir. I said, hey, yeah. I said, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Ha! I can't even use it to buy credit. So, no problem. <laughs> So he said to me, he said, ah, I will not forget you. So I said, okay. And then he called me one day. He said, do you want to work with this organization? I said, oh, yeah, why not? I mean, multilateral. I told God I want to earn from another. So they called me to do some health insurance framework for some states. I did it. And to cut the long story short, because I can't finish the story. It's a long one. That's how now, you know those kind of appointments that you wonder, how do people know when they, when they are looking for people? These doors, let me tell you this, are opened from the back with love. Which means you can't open it from the front yourself. The doors into some opportunities are only opened from where? From inside. I'll say one last thing and I close. I think my time is almost up. And please listen to me. Listen to me carefully. I can't talk about faith and work today, but listen to me carefully. When Elijah was about to go, the Bible said that all the sons of the prophet came to Elisha 
and said to him, Today your master will be taken away from you. First question is, how did they know? Was Elijah going around gossiping, saying, I'm going today? <sighs> he said, uh, you don't try, say, we thank God. <laughs> All these years, person <laughs> just they prophesy. No. No, no, you have to remember that they were in a school of prophets, right? They were in a school of prophets, which means that all of them were hearing. Now, the, your hearing is very important. Your hearing is what? It's very important. God does not give people ideas. He puts ideas on frequencies. First come, first serve. That's why if you get an idea today and you refuse to do it, in six months, what will you see? Just go outside. <laughs> why? Because it's not about you. It's about who? Humanity. The people that need that idea to work. And so Elisha said, hold your peace. I following his master around. I'm going somewhere. The master said, leave me. He said, no, he's not leaving him. And then at some point he said, what can I give you? And what did Elisha ask for? He said, give me a double portion of your spirit. Now, let me explain that so you understand. That was not a mathematical request. You see? Um, the Bible says the self-same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave, right, is available. So if that spirit dwells in you, so the question is, how, what degree or percentage of the Holy Spirit do you need to raise the dead? What percentage do you need to heal the sick? There's no percentage. So if you have faith like a mustard seed, you know, Bible talks about little things. So you know that it wasn't a mathematical request like, if you give me times two of your spirit, I will do times two of your exploits. Then Gehazi will come. They say, ah, Gehazi could have gotten times four. No. Then at what point do we stop? <laughs> so it was not a mathematical request. It was a cultural request. And basically what happened was when a Jewish man died, if he had four children, his goods were divided into five. And the firstborn was given a double portion. Right? And so Elisha knew that they were in a school of prophets. And he knew that he could not feel entitled to say the power will come upon him naturally because he served Elijah. In fact, the Jews did not inherit naturally. Your father had to come, right? When you were a teenager, your father had to come and bring you to the gate and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's what the Holy Spirit was doing with Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Your father had to do that for the whole community to recognize you as his heir apparent. So Elisha took that knowledge knowing that I will not get this power by entitlement. And, and, and a generation that is entitled can't do so much, you know. He knew that I will not get this power by entitlement. I will get it by commitment because the heavens belong to the highest bidder. And men are bidding with obedience. Right? So he followed him and said, give me the right to be called the firstborn among all these prophets when you go. That's what he was saying. Right? And the Bible says when the mantle fell, he picked it up. And you know, you know, and when he got to the Jordan, he didn't even invoke the spirit on his own. He said, God of Elijah, where are you? So he had to invoke it through his father. Right? And then all his mates started calling him what? My father. So he was actually asking for the right to be called what? The firstborn. Listen to me. Every industry has a firstborn. Financial services, media, arts and entertainment. Every industry has what? A firstborn. Now rise up on your feet. Now, this is a very spiritual exercise. Listen to me. 
the firstborn is not determined by who is born again. The firstborn is determined by who is most committed to humanity. Are you listening to what I'm saying? God has set in place a system that ensures that those that give the most to humanity get the most out of life. God has set in place a system that ensures that those that give the most to humanity will get the most out of life. I know we are not many. Everything Jesus starts, it starts with few. Jesus came through the back door. This is his approach, his style. How many of you want to be the firstborn of your industry? Be careful. If you are not committed to it and you are not ready to commit to it, then don't, don't bother. I'm talking in 20 years, 10 years, in 5 years, depending on your commitment, you are going to be captain of the industry. And they will say that because of he that is in the bush, because of he that cannot fend for himself, allow the blessing rest on you. You, might not, you don't have to be the smartest in your industry. You will be the connector. Listen, the most influential man in any room is the intercessor. That's how we break barriers. Prayer. Listen. The prophecy is activated by love. The second phase is the covenant. The covenant is activated by love. The prophecy is activated by love. The covenant is secured by commitment. And the reason why many people don't enter into the covenant is because there's no commitment. You have to be committed to an ideal that is higher than you. You have to be committed. This is why black Africa has not been able to break free from toil because of selfishness. If you want to be firstborn in your industry, lift your both hands to God and just talk to him. Say, I'm committed. Right now, right here, I am committed to taking banking and finance for you. Right now, right here, I'm committed to taking out and entertaining. Listen, when you live here today, you will know that something has happened in your spirit. And that thing is taking you to the next level. People will begin to come your way Love triggers. You would have to enter in love. Opportunities to show love in the direction of your dreams, in the direction of your work will show. And gradually you will enter into things that you never believed. You will enter into a designation that, was, that should be 10 years in your future. If you will walk in love, you can break it now. I have no other God but you. It's commitment. I have no other God. I have no other God. I have no other God but you. No other God. I have no other God but you. For you have done for me. And you have done what no more. 
I surrender my career to you. I surrender my desires to be the youngest CEO. I surrender, and, and that just came to me that someone here wants to be the youngest CEO ever. Surrender that desire to him and see what he can do in and through you. I surrender my desire to be the richest or the wealthiest XYZ in my industry. I lay it at your feet. He says, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and go to sleep. I cast this seed into the ground and I'm ready to see what you can do in and through it in the name of Jesus. I surrender my desire to be the youngest or the wealthiest or the somethingest. Take all the glory. I commit to you. Activate your covenant in me. I surrender my business. Use it to rescue the body of Christ. Use it to rescue the body of Christ. Use it to rescue the body of Christ. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. Listen. Just so that you know that God was the one writing the script from the beginning. Just so that you know that God was the one writing the script from the beginning. Huh? The first Adam entered the garden alive and came out dead. The second Adam entered the garden dead and came out alive. That's why Jesus had to be buried in a garden tomb. Do you understand what I'm saying? So don't struggle going around looking for your purpose. God has written something about you. Just so you know he was the one withholding the pen. The first Adam entered the garden alive, came out dead. The second Adam entered the garden dead, came out alive. Nothing can remain dead in your life in Jesus' name. Listen to me, nothing can remain dead in your business. Those dreams that may have died, they come alive in the name of Jesus. This is the power that is in the name of Jesus. This is the power that is in Jesus' name. You have done what no man has done you will do you will do what no man can do thank you for listening to a message from the life point church to download more free messages please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng point ng